welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's January the 5th, 2022. I'm Rick Morton, and this is the Defender Bible Study. Well, thanks for joining us again on the Defender Bible Study for this first edition of 2022. And let me be among the first to say to you, Happy New Year. Um, we are um, going to reach back for a best of episode this week into into the archives back to the beginning of last year, uh, January 20th, 2021. Uh, and the topic is speaking out for life um, and living out a pro-life ethic. And so Herbie um, is engaged at this point in the March for Life and in the things that are going on around the March for Life. And, uh, and we thought this would be a great way for us to begin 2022 as we look forward in it and anticipate uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. And, and so um, we encourage you as a church to, um, to get together around this idea of being pro-life and valuing men and women, boys and girls created in the image of God um, and, and ultimately that we care for them because, uh, because we value our, our Lord and, and ultimately that we value the Creator enough to care uh, for His creation in His name. Lifeline would love to be able to help you with that, and we have Sanctity of Life resources that are available on our website. You can find those at, at lifelinechild.org um, backslash Sanctity of Life. And, and so without further ado, let's get to, uh, to Herbie talking about speaking out for life from January the 20th, 2021. Well, like I said, we're here with Dr. Rick Morton. And Dr. Rick, such a, a pleasure to be with you. And you and I have discussed really this topic of the sanctity of human life and a whole life pro-life ethic in so many different ways. We've had the opportunity to participate in conferences surrounding you know, evangelicals for life and this whole idea of the church getting engaged for orphan care. And what most people may not know is you know, the, the book that we put out about this time last year called Image Bears was really your idea and an idea that you brought to the table. And, and, and what a fun time to collaborate with you on this resource to put this out. And so today, I know we just want to kind of have a discussion between you and I about how the church can get engaged, how God's people can get engaged, and why it's necessary to get engaged. Well, I, you know, Herbie, it may it may have been an idea that that I that I threw out in the beginning, but man, you um, you engaged that idea and and wrote and worked deeply in producing the the work that Image Bearers uh, became. And and what I'm what I'm so excited about, and it's really a timeless resource, first of all, and and I think it says a lot about who we who we know that we're called to be in this fight being pro-life and and what does it mean truly to be pro-life in a way that puts the gospel on the on display that is that's reflective of God's heart into our culture um, because our ultimate goal in all of this is is to protect life because 
you know, because of God's call, but also to to point people to Jesus and to point people to you know to follow Jesus and to give their you know give their lives to Christ and 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 so all the discussions we've had along the way over the years, it was it just kind of seemed like one of those natural things to do at some point that it was like, man, we we really ought to put this stuff on paper and and we really you know we really should kind of create a you know almost like the Israelites were called to do, build an altar. You know, where like let's let's have a place where we can go back to and we can point people to and and we can you know, we can kinda of point to these thoughts and say, um, here here's here are some things that we really believe that rise up out of God's word that, that we're pointing to pointed to as God's people. I mean, I was looking back even in thinking about you know, and, and not that the book is the reason, the catalyst of our sanctity of human life, but it's a resource that we've produced. But looking back at when that idea became catalytic was actually in the summer of 2018. And you and I were meeting and, yep. and it just kind of came out of there. And so we started writing some things and we released a, the first chapter at the Evangelicals for Life in Washington, D.C. around the March for Life in 2019. Right. And, but just because of the busyness and <laughs> even just, you know, finding time to write, to edit and all of those things and the process we were going through to get it there, we actually didn't get it out until 2020 and we'd hoped to get it out much earlier, but we didn't get it out till 2020 again at the March for Life. But I don't think it was by accident, but by God's providence that that's when that came out because 2020 with all the events that we've been through Absolutely. actually made the pages of of the book come alive and the ideas that you had birthed in 2018, they came so alive in 2020 as we saw racial injustice, Mm -hmm. as we saw, you know, even with our social distancing and our mask wearing and all the protocol around COVID, the whole reason was to protect the most vulnerable around us, the the elderly, to to protect those who uh, had a history of illness we were protecting life, which is a very pro-life virtue. We saw family become so important, especially during the months of March, April, and May, when it felt like you were so quarantined off from everyone else. Family became so integral. So just, I guess, as we start, what are some ways that you've seen these ideas that, that our team was able to capture in this book come alive in 2020? Yeah, you know, I, I think, and, and you're right, I think the, the, the truth is that, that God in his providence was way out in front of, you know, anything that we possibly, you know, possibly could have could have thought. But I think, um, you know, you mentioned the idea of racial injustice and, and racial reconciliation, and that's a, you know, that's a, a, a significant theme within Image Bearers. And, and we've been able to be, you know, we've been privileged to be a part of conversations with, uh, with churches of, you know, kind of of all makeups and 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 across across ethnicities of of people who are really deeply wrestling with the question of how do we as the as the body of Christ m- model what it what it truly means to be in Christ. Um, how we truly are to treat each other as as brothers and sisters, and and how do we how do we really intentionally um, show the world that we believe that people are created in the image of God? And so, you know, I think back to some other things that we've been able to do along the year that really kind of came out of and and the genesis for a lot of those thoughts were, you know, really kind of wrestling over the over that racial reconciliation chapter and just kind of you know kind of dealing on because it was a it was a a lot of this for us quite honestly are things that we that we've known things we believe things we've thought um 
but to kind of have that crystallizing moment to have to sit down and put that on paper and to make sure that like what you were going to lay down is is going to be something that you're going to you know you're going to be able to embrace and 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 stand with for a long time was a was a, a little bit of a like it's it's looking in a pretty tough mirror at times to to know you know how we do that but i think you know as we wrestled with those things then to be able to you know, host some conversations where we take some friends like, uh, you know, Alton Hardy and, you know, and our, our friend Quentin Dial that played with the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide Roll Tide and, and some folks that, you know, that, that we've been able to sit down with and talk to. You, you know, you led that conversation with them. We've, we've in and out over the course of the year um, been able to, to hear from those brothers and, and to really wrestle with the idea of, systemic injustice to 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 wrestle with the idea that there there is a reality that there is that there is something there there is an inequity that happens in our society but to do that under the authority of the gospel to do that recognizing that the answer is not it's not a social program it the answer is not is not a you know a way it's not even a way of living the answer is Jesus and it's and it's Christ transforming our hearts and 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 that we that we begin to apply that transformed heart to these you know these kind of issues. So you know certainly in that area, I think um, you know you you really well stated that um, little did we know writing a you know writing and considering about care for the elderly and and thinking about things like you know end of life issues and euthanasia and all those kinds of things would would come to a relevance of of a time when we're considering like basically the reordering of our world in order to protect the most vulnerable among us and 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 that that squarely was going to be a, a thing that was going to be wrestled with in the middle of the church i mean in in 2008 i mean in in january of of 2020 when we're launching the book we had no idea that that was even going to be a conversation and and i think you know personally we can you know we can testify to the fact that as a ministry we've we've been pressed on we've had to make decisions and and we've had to alter our our way of of doing some things in order to be protective of our people and their families and and kind of the extended you know web of relationships here um the decisions that we made quite honestly were decisions that were grounded in you know values and things that we'd carried for a long time but it was a whole lot clearer when you know when you'd walk through this in an intentional way and really you know really wrestle with that and so image bearers really uh, in, in a lot of ways is and I you know I, I say this and and I, and I hope everybody out there that's listening understands it, it really almost represents a manifesto for us. This is kind of that here are the things that we that we really believe that that we are accountable to as a ministry, but more than that, that we're accountable to as a body. And and that and that this is what the church is is to be about. And so I you know, I love the fact that that the Lord allowed us this opportunity. I I want to I want to turn the tables on you a little bit because you you get the opportunity to do a lot of the interviewing on this podcast and and and, and get to talk to a lot of people. Um, I want to I kind of want to talk to you a little bit and want to want to draw some things out because you're gracious to say that you know a lot of folks had had pieces and parts of making this book come to fruition. Um, 
but but you wrote this book and and we you know it, it's there there's there's much of this that that the lord shaped through through your heart and and through you know through your voice in this and so i want to just kind of delve into a to a few of those things and 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 just some things and and like for instance as we talk about kind of this big issue of the the sanctity of human life um like Man, why are you so committed to to a pro life ethic? Why why are you so committed to to this notion um, that human life is precious? Yeah, I you know I think why am I and why are you? And it, it obviously is all going to go back to the Word of God and to the creation story, knowing that life was made in the image of God. And and I think even with what we do, right. Um, one of the things that I love watching because is, as you know, I mean, I, I love your boys and I, I love your family and I love your daughter, obviously, but I, I've loved watching your boys, even with some of their idiosyncrasies, they are so fiercely loyal of you and Denise. Um, they, I mean, no one is going to, going to say anything or dare like just come into any world to, to, to come against their mom and their dad because they, they fiercely love you guys and would defend you guys. And I started thinking through, even as what we do with adoption, you know, the reason that we are so passionate about life is because all life is made in the image, not just of God, but if we're believers, it's made in the image of our daddy, you know? And so in the same way that, that Nicholas and Eric are so ready to defend their mom and their dad and Nastia as well. I'm obviously, but, but I know your boys the best, right? right? Nicholas and Eric, the way they talk about their parents and they love their mom and their dad, they weren't, they weren't born into your family. They were adopted into your family, but man, they are passionate about being a Morton and what that means. And in the same way, we're adopted into God's family. We're grafted into God's family. And so when we look out at humanity, we go, that's a life made in the image, not just of our God, our holy, reverent God, but it's more intimate and deep than that. That's a life that's made in the image of our dad. And, you know, I, I also think, you know, something you and I have in common is we're both only children. And, you know, what people don't know is behind the microphones, you and I are, are, are friends, too. Right. <laughs> and we're talking about even the complexities of being only children. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And, and the hard thing of knowing that as your parents, you know, no one else has the experience of those being your parents. And there's a there's a relationship that's there that's extremely loyal and extremely deep because growing up, they're your parents, but they're also your world, right? And in the same way, we are only children, it, even though we're not, we have such an intimate relationship with God that it's so deep, it's so intimate, it's so personal. Yes, he came to die for the church, but he also came to have a relationship with us. And so that relationship just manifests in us this passion to say that life, black, brown, red, yellow, white, that life that may have a disability, that life that may be unwanted by its mother is a life that's made in the image of our father, mm-hmm. and we want to passionately defend that life. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jump in a little bit to to what you said, and at the risk of 
you know, my boys being mad at me later. And, uh, you know, if, if they listen to this podcast, I think, you know, we, you talk about the relationship that we have with our, you know, with our kids and, and the, and the truth is we're theirs and they're ours. And it's, and that's just, that's just the reality of, of, of who we are and who we become and, you know, the way God's knitted us together. Um, but like the part of the challenge of that relationship it a lot of times it's not it's not between you know Denise and me and our kids and it's between them it's between each other it's the brother and brother relationships and the brother and sister relationships where you know where where conflict kind of rises up sometimes and 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 there's difficulty and so like I think you pointed out something really accurate I think it it says something also about our world when we look at that illustration because like the the hard part in all this the hard part in the sanctity of human life and and in in so many of these issues that we've talked about is it's how we treat our brothers it's how we treat our sisters and and how we live out kind of that next layer of relationship and and I think you know one of the things I don't want to miss in in this conversation is saying that that we're saying like we're looking back to our relationship with our heavenly father but we're we're like we're pointing and saying that means that really means something in how we treat each other. That really means something in how we see each other. And and that as family, we, we've got to look and act differently. I find myself saying to my boys all the time, like, there's going to be a point where all you guys are going to have is each other in family. Like, mom and dad aren't going to be here anymore, and you're going to, well, you know, different. We know our, our Heavenly Father's always going to be here, but he's placed us in a relationship where we have and depend on each other. And I think just seeing the the fractures and the and the strife that exists in the church, um, that that part of the compelling reason for even writing this book and 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 trying to advance this conversation is um, Satan's making hay in in the way that that brothers and sisters are are relating to each other and 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 living in animosity with each other. And, and, and like we're like if we thought that was relevant in 2020, on January the 20th, 2021, um, folks, we're, we're in the midst of that. And, and, and I think it's a call and a reminder to us, we've, we've got to get back to basics. And this is, this is certainly a fight about abortion, right? Like it is, it is absolutely a fight about abortion, but it's a fight about a whole lot of other things too. And, and that, and that, and that in that we we are we are modeling for the world and how we how we treat each other how we care for each other how we care for the vulnerable around us we're modeling for them who our god is and i'm just herbie i'm afraid today that that in many instances the world is really struggling to get a picture of that from from us as the church well, and and yeah. so i i pray you know that well you you, you see that Two, we've reduced all of this to rhetoric, yep. right? And when you reduce it to rhetoric, then your your enemy becomes the one that disagrees with you or becomes the one that acts contrary to what you think or believe. And the Bible so clearly says our enemy is not flesh and blood, um, but the principalities of the air. It's the it's Satan. It's It's the devil. It's the lie of sin that is our enemy. And so the reason that this is is so 
big is I don't have to always agree with my brother or sister. I don't always have to agree with anyone to see that they have character and they have worth and they have dignity. And I'm afraid here today in January 2021, we've lost the sense of I may disagree with you, right? But but I see your dignity and I see your worth before God. We, we've become so polarized and we are identifying ourselves in camps. And, and it, it'd be one thing that wouldn't be a good thing if we were identifying our camps in worldly in the church. But this has even gotten fractured within the church. It's gotten fractured with, you know, with, with so many different people. And that polarization is contrary to the sanctity of life. And, and I know people may hear that and think, oh, well, there's a bunch of soft peddlers. No, we always have to speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love. And if we don't speak the truth in love, well, then it fails to be truthful because it's, it's just hurtful. And if we, if we speak love but have no truth, it's not loving because we're not being truthful. And, and in the same way, like we, we have to start beginning to demonstrate like you said, in the church with the way we love one another and then outside the gates that we love one another because we were first loved. And that doesn't mean that we always agree. And even within the church, you look at Paul and Barnabas. They didn't agree over John Mark, you know? And I think the word actually bears out that both were right in their disagreement at the time and both actually ended up finishing what God had for them. Paul goes on and so many more people hear the gospel not being slowed down by John Mark. Barnabas invests in John Mark. And at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4, the one that Paul's saying, hey, send John Mark to me. He's useful for me in ministry. So Barnabas did what God had appointed him to do. And at that moment in Acts chapter 15, they vehemently disagree over John Mark. But they they leave in peace and they go on their mission respecting one another. And and the sanctity of human life is respecting one another. And it's not vilifying a woman. It's not vilifying someone who is at a complete ideology with us, but it's actually hitting our knees, especially with those who are lost and not called according to the purpose of God and who do not know the Lord and praying for their salvation, praying that they're, they're, that they're, that they would come to Christ. And I'm afraid we're so worried about bringing them on to our ideology, even our ideologies that aren't rooted in the gospel, more than we are helping them see the beauty and the, and the majesty of Christ. Well, something, something that you said in, in one of the chapters in, in Image Bearers, or actually it's in the abortion chapter in Image Bearers, it's about you know, this idea that, the, that the, the, the war for the sanctity of human life, the war to end abortion, is not going to be won in courtrooms. It's not going to be won in the legislature. It's not going to be won in those places. It's going to be won in the hearts of, of men and women. And, and I think, you know, one of the implications of that, and, and goodness knows we didn't know to talk about this then, but I think now when you extend it out, this, you know, we live in this cancel culture that is, that is all about when, when someone is wrong or different or outside of our ideology that, we, that we've bought into a very worldly, you know, just getting rid of and being done, which which is not it's not even Matthew 18. It's not it's not go to your brother and point out his sin. It's not bear with your brother, take other people with you. It's not this long-suffering journey toward trying to bring people back to Christ. It's just let's 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 quit. And and I think um you know as as we as we wrestle with that, I believe 
I believe holy and you know in the idea that 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 as we're going to be influential for the gospel as we're going to see the agenda of the sanctity of human life you know move forward part of that's going to be because we model something that's different and you know and and that we apply that in in our in our culture we apply that we apply that to people that don't apply it to us you know, in in ways, and so I well, and, and Doctor yeah. Rick, I, I mean, because when you say that, I, I think as believers we have to remember that Jesus was reviled and he wasn't guilty. He was punished and he never committed a sin. He took our wrath and he deserved it not, right? And and as Isaiah fifty three says, that's bared out in the Gospels. He was smitten, he was stricken. And he did not open his mouth. And that doesn't mean that he was passive and silent. That means he didn't say stop. He didn't say stop whipping me, but he endured the punishment for our sakes. And the Bible says by his wounds, we are healed. And, and yet as believers who are called to model Christ, we, get, we don't just get whipped. Like we get a thump on the hand and we cancel. And so we want to look at the world as a cancel culture, but the truth of the matter is it's coming to the church. And we begin to cancel even our own brethren who, who we disagree with in, in minor ways. And, you know, all of that is, is, is looking again at rhetoric and not life. It's looking at, 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 at the effects of sin as opposed to the majesty of God and how he created life to be and being a part of his restoration, reconciling work in the world. And, you know, even going back to your question, you know, we forget that even if, let's say, let's say we reduce the abortion issue, for instance, to courtrooms and to the legislature. Who is it that makes up the courts and who makes up the legislature but people made in the image of God? And if those people don't understand why it's so important to defend life, and if they don't see the church as being completely consistent in the way that we defend life, when, when we lobby a woman to choose life and she follows through with it, and we believe our work is done, and we walk away as a single mom takes away a child who she is maybe not able to do so on her own, but we walk away and go back to our neighborhoods of privilege, then I want to tell you, how pro-life are we really being when we say, okay, go be well and well-fed and go have, have your, your, your day, right? But when we start to stand up for that single mom, when we start to wrap around her, when we start to say, we love you, we want to help you get a job, we want to help you get on your feet, and this is not in some handout way, but this is in a discipleship way of helping her succeed and for her helping to be successful and to be reconciled to her creator, when we are able to participate in that, then our rhetoric is not as empty when we're looking at the woman who just found out she's pregnant, she's six months, six weeks pregnant, thinking about an easy, quote-unquote, as the world would say, an abortion, and we're saying, don't do it. Our rhetoric is not as empty or hollow when we're following through, not just to see that life breathe air, but we're seeing that life thrive and survive and be in a place where it can be discipled and reconciled to its creator who it's made in the image of. And, and like, you read my mind, because because the, the truth is, and it's funny, I mean, you didn't read my mind because we talk about this all the time, but, but it's it is it's a discipleship issue that that we're you know that we're we're talking about we and and the reality of of even the statement that I pointed out to you right like we know 
the courts are important. We know that the legislature is important. Like, we know those things. So it's, it's not to be dismissive of those things. It's to say, hey, we, like, we need to, to approach those with a life that reflects that we that we believe these things and that we're living them out consistently across all you know all places and that and that ultimately we're looking for the conversion of many of those people we're looking for the following of Jesus of many of those people that that we're that we're struggling in disagreement with with and that's that's like the that's the number one top shelf issue right like as if if they're if they're beginning if they're following Jesus, um, you know I love that old evangelism definition. You know that that I don't remember who even said it, but like it's the idea that we're we're not just converting people, we're converting structures, we're converting institutions. How because because we're seeing Jesus change people. Amen. Well, and you know in that I think we've got to take a look to at this pro life movement, and it's funny because. Bro, you know this as well, doing what you're doing. Like, five years ago even, it would be unheard of to have two men (laughs) behind a microphone talking about a sanctity of human life issue unless they were distinctly talking about the Supreme Court or electing officials, right? But when it gets down to the deep, dirty trenches of pro-life ministry, it would be their wives that would be behind microphones talking about it or would be out there in the main street out talking there doing about it. it. And it's out like, there doing right. it. And, and I think you and I both have just such a conviction that dads are needed, men are needed in this, because this isn't just a woman's issue. And as a matter of fact, I'm afraid so many times in the pro-life movement, we've bought into the world's rhetoric right? It's, it's a woman's issue. So men have stepped aside. It's not a woman's issue. You know, I, I was talking to a friend the other day and they're having some issues with, with their daughter and who they adopted. And somebody, you know, gave them a pop psychology article and he was asking me about it. And in the article, it was, you should teach your daughter, you should teach your son that their body is not, does not belong to anyone else. It is their own. And they are the, they are the owner of their body. And he said, yes, I don't want my son or my daughter to be abused. And I get where that's coming from. But don't you agree that this statement is wrong? I said, oh, amen, brother. Your child's body belongs to God. And the reason that they defend their body and don't allow others to do something is not because they have an autonomous spirit that owns their body. It's because they know who the author of their life is. They know who the sustainer of their life is. And they know who their life belongs to. And they protect it because it's not theirs, it's his. And and I believe so many times in the church, and the, the sad thing is a Christian counselor who gave them that article, we've allowed a secular philosophy even to, to capture our talking points. We've, we've reduced the sanctity of human life to a woman's issue, and that's what the world is saying. It's a woman's right to choose. It's, it's a woman's issue. It's not a woman's issue. And as men, we need to be encouraging young men to, to own up to what they do, to stand up for their family, to fight when things are hard, to stick in and persevere when things are hard, and for nothing else, do not lead a woman to that area where she even has to deal with that in the first place. We've totally divorced abstinence, and even when we talk about abstinence, we look at it as young girls, where we all know, and even behind you and me as men know, that the, that the one who draws the woman into that scenario is the man. The man is the one we need to be talking to. Dads need to be training their child. They need to be having tough conversations with their boys. Uh, and, and so 
as men, we need to lead out in this issue as opposed to backpedaling and allowing our wives to have to carry the water in this, but we need to stand up. So Dr. Rick, I'm turning the tables back on you as we end, but from an engagement standpoint and all that you do, um, overseeing our counseling and our education, and that was not one of our counselors who gave that article, obviously, uh, and, and overseeing our marketing and overseeing just the engagement externally. People are listening to us jaw today, but let's let's bring it down to if I'm listening to Dr. Rick and Herbie talk on the Defender podcast, and I want to know what's the next step I can make for the fight of life. How can Lifeline help them? We want to be here to help, and and so there are there are a number of different ways that people can can get engaged. We want people to come to places like LifelineChild.org because on our website we have ways that we can help coming alongside in adoption and foster care, but also in global orphan care, also in 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 ways that we as the church can care for people that come from hard you know from kids for kids that come from hard places. Um, we have resources on our website. We've got podcasts that are there where we're talking about rec- racial reconciliation. We're, we're talking about transracial adoption and all these kind of issues. And and so there's there's such a like plethora of stuff that the Lord has has blessed us to be able to engage and to be part of. And and all of that we we want to you know we want to provide. But here's the thing. We don't want to just be a resource pusher. We don't want to just be a resource provider. We want to be a friend and we want to be a partner. And so we want people to come to Lifeline and and to and to look for resources, but we want a journey. We want a journey alongside churches. We want a journey alongside families. We want a journey alongside believers that are that are seeking out to live a, a, a full whole life pro-life ethic. And so um, we've got a team here. Um, Chris Johnson, our friend, Pastor Chris, leads our church engagement team. Pastors and church leaders, we you know we want you to talk to Chris and his team because because Lifeline wants to come alongside your church and talk about what is it that God's called you to do in in your town in in your place and and around the world and how can we help um, you know our we have a we have a team here of social workers and professionals and people that are that are that want to jump in with families and be a part of the journey in foster care and adoption and all the different you know all the different expressions of of ways that can be people can do orphan care but at the end of the day everybody here at Lifeline um, they see themselves as as ministers of the gospel, right? And 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 they want to do that in the context of helping people to to know Jesus and follow Jesus, and for this to be to be part of their walk as a disciple. And so, um, you know, reach out to us at lifelinechild.org on all of the social media outlets. Um, lifelinechild.org is our website. Come, you know, come meet us there, and let's start a conversation. Amen. And and just. Other resources, you know, obviously this month is a month that as a church, we talk about the sanctity of human life, but for pastors and for church members, encourage your churches that this doesn't just need to be a topic that we reserve for January, Amen. but it needs to be a topic that is, that the, the thread of it is within every sermon that we preach. It's in every message that we have. And I know for many of us, myself, Dr. Rick, Pastor Chris, America's Pastor, and so many others on our team, we'd love to come, even if it's preaching a sermon or coming alongside a small group, to be that catalyst at your church, to see your church reach out and to defend life. 
the resource our team put out, Image Bears. You can go to Amazon.com and find that. Again, it's Image Bears shifting from pro-birth to pro-life, and that can be found on Amazon.com. We want to reach out to you. We want to be a resource. And, and I would be remiss. Dr. Rick, as you know, has written some incredible books, Orphanology and No Orphans. And these are great resources as well to get your church engaged. But, but like Dr. Rick said, we want to be a resource to start a movement in the church. And it is so important that those movements start in churches because the Church of Jesus Christ is the rock. And that will be here for, until the end of time. And the church needs to be the catalyst for the sanctity of life. And we pray that it will be. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. <music>